Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life doesn't make me better than the rest of the church. Make this, that, would, that, would, that would be an indication that there's flesh involved. If somehow what I did made me better than you, when the Bible says that we're all the same, something's wrong. I'm not better than you. I'm just like you. Right? You put the cross here and we all come to Jesus the same way. We all bow at the cross. We all need the same thing at the cross. We need forgiveness. We need mercy. We're, we're all blessed the same way as we get up from the cross. We receive forgiveness. Everything we have, we've received it from him. Pride is a destructive force and it's not of God. We've all been prideful at one time or another. It's human nature. However, God calls us to turn away from that flesh nature and turn toward him instead. In the message today, Pastor Bill will remind you that Christ should be elevated and glorified instead of ourselves. Part of understanding humility is simply being aware of our own sinful nature, examining the heart, and seeking the Lord to reveal those areas in your life that haven't been fully dedicated to Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verses 5 and 6, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, number four, one of the, the ways the Holy Spirit will impact us is we won't preach ourselves. Now, this is interesting. It's kind of a trend in the life and the ministry of Paul. He said in chapter one, verse nine, that we don't trust in ourselves. He said in chapter three, verse one, we don't commend ourselves. And he says here in chapter four, verse five, we don't preach. Right. And this is the, when you look at the work of the Holy Spirit, right? The work of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit always pointing to? Jesus. Jesus. That's what he does. That's his part. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps people to get saved. He points people to Jesus. He illuminates non-believers. That's his work is helping people to see Christ for who he is and what he's done. He points to Jesus. So when you look at a person that's filled with the spirit and they're ministering in the power of the spirit, who should the focus end up on? Jesus. If it's really a work of the Holy Spirit. If somebody is doing a supposed work of the Holy Spirit and all the attention is on them, might that be a work of the flesh? Might not be a work of the Holy Spirit. I used to be in a church where people would catch the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I would, I mean, this is the reality. If somebody catch the Holy Spirit, you can't help but look at them, right? The dude is up here preaching, but like, man, that that, that lady is, is you know, she's moving and stuff like that. And, and I remember being like, I, I was confused at one point. I was a newer believer and I, I never caught the Holy Spirit. I never, I never was compelled to like, you know, just have, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm open. If God were to take me over and, you know, I would be like, I caught him. He caught the Holy Ghost. I don't, you, can you catch the Holy Ghost? And anyway, that's, that's a whole nother thing. But here, here's where I really began to be suspect. The church had pews and there was a, a, a larger lady who, who caught the Holy Spirit. And as she, you know, jousted back into the pew, the pew fell and it crushed. There was an older gentleman and it crushed his legs. And I was like, did the Holy Ghost do that? <laughs> Messed up. You know, like, would the Holy Ghost crush this poor little man and break his, mess his legs up? And that was where it was beginning to be clear that I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I, I just think that's just learned behavior. And I believe so. 
a, a real work of the Holy Spirit will draw attention to Jesus, will point people to the Lord. And so Paul says, look, we don't preach ourselves because it's not about us. It's about him. I want to hook people up with him. I want to I want to elevate and highlight Jesus who can save you, who can comfort you, who can empower you, who can minister, who can do everything that you need is wrapped up in him. That's who I want to point to. And so he says, we don't preach ourselves. He says, but we preach Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your bond servants. Something else the Holy Spirit does. He said, look, we, we, we become your bond servants. We the Holy Spirit moves upon us in such a way when we're gathered as a church, we serve one another. Right. Once again, when a church of spirit filled people come together, there won't be a big shot. There won't be anybody that's a big deal. Jesus will be the big deal. We'll be we'll be serving one another. Our service might be might be that we serve you through our how we use our gifts. Some people in worshiping, some people teaching kids, some people come and clean, some people. A number of different things happen. We'll just serve one another. We're, we're each other's. We're bond servants to one another. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit should do. It shouldn't make the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life doesn't make me better than the rest of the church. Makes this, that, would, that, would, that would be an indication that there's flesh involved. If somehow what I did made me better than you, when the Bible says that we're all the same, something's wrong. I'm not better than you. I'm just like you, right? You put the cross here and we all come to Jesus the same way. We all bow at the cross. We all need the same thing at the cross. We need forgiveness. We need mercy. We're all blessed the same way as we get up from the cross. We receive forgiveness. Everything we have, we've received it from him. And so we all can walk to the cross and walk away from the cross in the same place. We walk up needing. We walk away receiving and thankful. But who's the big deal? The giver, Jesus. I don't get to be a big shot. Jesus gets to be the big shot. And so that's what we want. God, I I want you to work in my life in such a way that it's not about me. I don't preach me. I'm not looking to be elevated. I want my life to be used in such a way that the things I do cause you to be elevated. You know, Jesus told the disciples, you do your good deeds, do your good works before men in such a way that they will see your good works and then glorify your father in heaven. Somehow you did your work in such a way that God got the glory. That's how he wants us to serve. And so we don't preach or teach or commend ourselves. We point to the Lord. And then he said in verse six that for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He reminds us that the same God that caused light to shine in darkness, he's shown in our hearts, right? He did it for you. God is the one that put these things in our hearts. God is the one that made these things cause us to know the things that we know. And so we just become stewards of the, the truth, the knowledge of God. And we want to be sharing it with other people. Number five, look at verse seven. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, uh, I wrote down for number five. We, we have the treasure. We have the treasure and power from God. God said, look, I put these this treasure in earthen vessels. Back in that day, an earthen vessel was not a big deal, right? A vessel of gold, a vessel of silver, a vessel of bronze, like that was those were choice vessels. A vessel of, of, a, of earthen vessel was clay. It was basically earth baked and made hard. It was something that could be cracked. It was cheap. It was it was this. It was they weren't a big deal to be a, a, a earthen vessel. God says, I put something very valuable in earthen vessels. We're the earthen vessels. So once again, even as even as I look at this, the picture that scripture paints, we don't get painted as a big deal with earthen vessels, but the, but the treasure that God put a treasure in us, even though we're, we're just earthen vessels. God said, I put the treasure, the treasure, of what the gospel and the power of God. I put that in your life. 
Why we have the, the gospel, we have that. That's we're, we're recipients first, and then we become vessels through whom it goes. But God said, I've also given you the power, my power upon your life. God gives us the power to be everything that He wants us to be. He gives us the power to live the gospel. He gives us the power to share the gospel. God said, I put the power, my power, in earthen vessels. And this is important to know, right? Sometimes you talk to a Christian and like, yeah, you know, I, I can't. You know, I know that I should do one, but I can't. I, I want to share the gospel more, but I, I can't. And I would look at that person and say, it's a person that doesn't understand that it's not really dependent upon you, that God will give you his spirit. God will empower you. God will pour his spirit upon your life that you could be a witness for him. It'll never depend upon you. Yeah, I just want to share, but I don't know if I have enough answers. Don't don't worry about that. Just tell what you do know. Um, I, I look at the guy that led me to Christ and I, I tell you, I always share this. He couldn't answer none of my Bible questions. I stumped him over and over again. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? I was argumentative and I had all kinds of excuses from the world that I was throwing at him. But you know what he did? He told me what he did know. And I ended up getting saved. He did know the gospel. He did know that I was going to hell. He did know that Jesus could save me. He just kept telling me what he did know and not what he didn't know. And that was enough. So for those of us to get worried about, you know, I don't want to get stumped. I don't want to look stupid. Go ahead and look stupid. Go ahead and don't have an answer. If you're saved, you at least know how you got there. You could tell them that much. I, that's, I'm going to tell you that much. Well, what about the, I, don't, I got to tell you about the orangutans and, the, and I, I, I'm telling you what Jesus did. And this is where you're going. I'm just going to leave that with you. Romans 1 Paul said, I'm not ashamed with the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. God said there's power in that message. And so we just share it. And so God gives us the power to be able to do it. And so, again, for anybody here that would say, man, I, I my heart wants to share more than I do. And sometimes I get afraid and I let it hinder me. We'll pray. We'll pray when we get done today that God would just baptize us in the power of his Holy Spirit. He told the early church to wait in Jerusalem. Don't go. Y'all not ready yet until the Holy Spirit came. So they, so they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, now if the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he didn't say you'll try to be witnesses. He didn't say, then you can work. He said, then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It'll be the, the net result of the Holy Spirit upon your life. You'll be a witness. And so we want to be that. We want to we want to be witnesses for for the Lord. Um, number six, look at verses eight and nine. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verses eight and nine, I wrote down, we have victory in Christ. And I want you to listen to this. Paul is speaking these things and Paul uniquely had the ability. Paul could say these things. He could testify that he lived this kind of life. But Paul says, look, man, we're we're hard pressed on every side. That's a, that's from front and back, left and right, top and bottom, hard pressed all the way around. He says, but but but, but we're not crushed. And I want you to consider that one of the works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to give us a victorious perspective. That even though we're going through difficult things, we have a perspective that's beyond what we can see. Right. Paul says on every side, I'm crushed, pressed, smashed. But he says, but we're not. But I'm not crushed. Not 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 over yet. Sometimes I, I think it's the worst witness for there to be believers that that I, I say, like they, they look like Eeyore. For everybody knows that it just when you see a believer that just, whoa, you know, just trying to serve God is so hard, you know, it's that's so unattractive. That's ugly. Like, who wants that? Who would ever look at that and say, I want to go to church with you. I want I want to be sad, too. You know, I want to feel smashed and ruined, too. But it's a matter of perspective. You can have two people go through the same thing. And this person is handling it different because they got a perspective on life that this person maybe doesn't have. 
So one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is give us a perspective, a victorious perspective. Something terrible happens. You know what? But all things work together for the good of love. God is waiting for it to turn out for good. I'm good. You know, God's still you know, on the throne. It's a perspective that the believer can have. Paul had it. And you want to consider that when, when things go wrong, are you a, you get woe is me? You start kicking can, you know, or, or do you have a, a divine perspective? Um, does the Holy Spirit give you that? Because that's what he gives us. He'll give us a divine perspective. We'll look and say, you know what? Somehow, somehow, some way this God's God's in charge. God's on the throne. This passed by his throne. God's not surprised. Caught me by surprise. But he got this. And you'll be okay. He says, hey, we're, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Paul was persecuted. Paul went through persecution, treated bad, you know, all these different things. I want to read you a, a, a list of some of what Paul went through. If you're writing notes, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to start at verse 23, and we're, we're going to go down to verse 28, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28 uh, says this. Paul said, are, are they ministers of Christ? He said, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes. That was being whipped on the back. He said above measure in prisons more frequently. Paul was in and out of prison for preaching the gospel. And he would take that downtime to write letters to other churches. He says in so in prisons more often or more frequently in deaths. Often, um, anybody here died for the Lord, got re- res- res- resuscitated and brought back. He said, um, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. That's in the sea. In journeys, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Anybody been cold and naked for God? That's, I read that just like, man, he was cold and then they, they took his clothes. And some people believe that may have been one of his stays in prison, you know, that way. He says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. If you was going through all this, would you still be thinking about the church? Paul says, look, I'm going through all of this and I'm my deep, this, all that's happening. And I just got this deep concern for how the churches are doing. That's how come every time he paused or was in prison, you see him writing letters of encouragement and sending people to, to go and, you know, curry the letters back and forth for, for him. And so I read what Paul went through and it's like, how did he have, how did he keep such a perspective? How come he was so upbeat? How come Paul didn't quit? How come Paul didn't say, that's it. You know, I got my own people turning against me. The, you know, he had people from the churches that didn't want him at times. Paul had, you know, how come Paul didn't say, God, I was faithful to you. I preached the gospel. You let me be in jail again. I quit. You let them stone me. You know, he never did that. Never did that. You know what he did? Because he had an eternal perspective. Paul said, there's a reward attached to this. That I'm looking forward to things that are, that are to come. Paul had a perspective that was divine. It was from the Lord. I believe it was a work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Do you have that perspective when you go through? Because I read Paul's list. I, you know, I've, I've been often told or I've, I've even told people, if you think you're going through it, go read that list. 
You know, if you feel like I'm having a rough week, they, I've been persecuted, I was treated bad, you go read that list. And it's like, maybe not that bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not so bad, you know. Uh, it, it just brings it down a little bit, you know. But he went through all that, you guys, and he just, just kept rolling. Just trusted trusted God for the outcome. He, he had a victorious perspective. And I believe God wants us to have that sort of perspective. Again, I believe one of the reasons Paul had this is because he understood that this life wasn't it. Right. We live for something so much greater than what we have right here, right now. And so if I live this life as though this is it, I can be easy to get discouraged. If this is everything, then if something goes bad here, everything is messed up. But the believer, I realize that this is just temporary. I'm only living here right now. I'm going to heaven when this is done. And Paul had that perspective. You know, one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 18. But Paul said for the he said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He said, man, the things I'm going through right now don't compare to the glory that's coming. And he was living for eternity, which is what we want to be living for. Uh, it'll impact your perspective on earth when we live for eternity. Amen. Number seven, look at verses 10 through 12. He says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. I wrote down for 10 through 12 that we have life because of Christ. Interesting here, he says, we're carrying about in our body, in the body, the dying of, of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. And this is how it works for the believer. Um, it was through Christ's death that life came. He died a physical death, then he resurrected, came back in resurrection power that he lived. It's the same way for the believer. It's through death that we live. Um, we die to our we die to ourselves that Christ, the, the life of Christ may flow through us. And so for the believer, there are things that God would say, look, I don't want you to pacify the flesh. I want you to die to it. I, I always discourage people from trying to wean themselves off of things of the flesh. The God just wants us to crucify the flesh. When you think about when the Bible says, you know, crucify the flesh, that's violent. I mean, that's 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 taking up arms against something. It's a violent removal of a thing. You can't wean the flesh. You got to kill it. You got to crucify it. Anybody that's ever tried to wean themselves off of alcohol, right? Uh, when I wasn't saved, I was, I was addicted to alcohol, and I tried that. I would try to wean myself off. I would say, you know what? I can get a 40. I'm going to get a tall can. And I'm just, I was, in my mind, I thought I would just cut back. Uh, I, I smoked Newports, so I would, I would limit myself. You know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to start cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. But you know, it never happened. It never worked. Because instead of if I cut back from a 40 and got a tall can after the tall can, I went ahead and got the 40 and a 22, you know, just to catch up. You know, so it never really worked. You can't really wean the flesh. You know, when I got victory over alcohol, the Lord let me. It was just stop it. Don't get no more. Throw it all away. Cigarettes too. throw them all away. And it was it was it was radical and it was difficult, but it was effective. It just got cut off. Um, and there, there was a season, you know, right up front when you first do that, your flesh throws a fit. Your flesh like, give me what I want. You know, my, my flesh, I, I used to couldn't, I couldn't go to the liquor store and buy gum. And this may sound weird. Anybody that's been addicted before knows I would drive by a liquor store 
and my heart would beat. Like I could feel my heart would be like, my, it was a physiological, my body was saying, go get one. I used to drive by and see the crooked eye. You know, that was my, my beer. And I would see the crooked eye for a sane eye and it would have a physiological, like my body would react. And, but over time that, that would die away. You know, as you crucify the flesh, when you, when it dies, it's dead. And now for me, I don't, I don't play with it. I don't touch it. But I realized that, man, God, you gave me victory. But it wasn't it never worked to wean myself off. It was something that God just needed to die to it. Crucify it. It let it, It's going to be violent. It's going to be difficult, but it will be effective. The way that we live, the way we get life, life comes through death. And there may be in your life, there may be things that God will say today, man, crucify that. Hang that thing on the cross today. Let it die today. Let it die. Let it die so that Christ can begin to, to live his life through you, because many of the things that God will cause you to put to death, as they get put to death, you'll find that there are aspects of the life of Christ that, that begin to flow through. God will put this thing to death so he can live through you more fully over here. God will put some, some carnal relationship to death so he can bring you into something that's right for him. Some of us are, are using the best of our ability and service and time for things that God said. When that thing dies, you'll find out there's something that I wanted to do. I gave you those gifts. I gave you those abilities. And when you stop using it that way, you'll find that there was something I wanted to do with that. That was going to glorify me. That life will come many times through a death. Spiritual life comes through death, but also the life of Christ. If God says, I want to I want to I want to fill you and move through your life. Then let whatever is in its way. Let it die. Crucify it. Go ahead and put it to death. You don't have to wait for it to die an old death. You go ahead and stick it on the cross today. You crucify it. You put it to death. Amen. All right. Moving on. Uh, look at verses 13 through 14. Uh, this is number eight. 13 to 14 says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up with Jesus, raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. In verse 13, he says, I believe and therefore I spoke. This is a quotation from Psalm 116, verse 10. And it's interesting here because the way the Holy Spirit moves in our lives is I believe and therefore I spoke. It, 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 my belief didn't just sit with me. I've heard people say that, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not knocking that, but I'm, I'll knock the way some people use it. Some people say, well, my, my relationship with God is just personal, just between me and God. Therefore, I don't talk about it. I don't share it. I don't I don't get into those kind of discussions, you know, talk about religion and politics. I don't I don't go there. You know, it's and I'm going to tell you right now that it can't be right. You can't have a personal all to myself relationship with the Lord. That's not what God wants. Are you married people? How would you feel if your spouse, your husband or your wife said my relationship, with my, my husband is it's personal. And so I don't want to wear a ring. Everybody doesn't need to know. Everybody doesn't need to be in my business about that I'm married. Um, people at work don't necessarily need to know that I'm married. It's personal. It's a personal relationship between me and them. And what if people knew you for, you know, you knew, all the people at work knew you? What if, how would you feel about finding out your spouse, all the people that know them at work, don't know they were married? Say you go to a vendor like, you're married? I didn't know you was married. How would you feel? Would you be like, what is that? What's that would that would, would it raise some questions would it raise some eyebrows there'd be some bad conversations on the way home you know it, it rightly so that would be inappropriate it'd be wrong from i've been married going on 20 years anybody that knows me ought to know somebody know me and don't know i'm married that would be bad that'd be that'd be 
That'd be some. That'd be something. That'd be shady. I'd be worthy of every raised eyebrow that would be coming my way. It would be a problem. It'd be a problem the other way too. You know. So when it comes to the Lord, how the Lord feel when I saved you? You was going to hell. I died on the cross in public in front of everybody. They shamed me for you. I was humiliated for your freedom. You don't want to tell people you know me. How how does that? That's right. May that not be for any of us. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times, too. And so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.